Welcome back again to our latest episode of Weekly Comics Monthly, Episode 3. I am Jim Purcell. And I'm Zach Hawkins. And we are back again um, for a brand new episode of reviews and insight into our favorite weekly comics. 2000 AD and the Weekly Shonen Jump. Or... And, you know, in the magazine, um, we're going to be trying something a little different this episode. Uh, we felt that previously we may have been, our episodes have been going rather long, trying to do two uh, serial anthologies in a single episode. So what I've decided to try is that um, this episode is going to be dedicated exclusively to 2000 AD, uh, the last four weeks, plus the magazine. And in two weeks, we're going to record another episode that will cover the, the previous six weeks of Weekly Shonen Jump. And then after that, we're going to switch off from 2080 to Weekly Shonen Jump every two weeks, which will make each one about four weeks behind. Uh, four weeks, yes. yeah. So th that way, we're still monthly, and we're still weekly. Uh, so our title, we don't have to change our title. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No rearrangements whatsoever. It'll just be... Uh, a bit of a different format, yeah. which I think will work a lot better both for editing and just for any listeners. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean we're pro we're not we're probably not unique in that we like both, but I think that for listeners who only care about two thousand AD and only care about Weekly Shonen Jump, having the two separate episodes will make things a little bit easier for them. So yeah, they, yeah. So they'll they'll be able to listen to one episode a month, or they can listen to two episodes a month if they like both. Yeah. yeah. So it works out for all of us. So yeah, 2000 AD. Um, well, before we get into that, uh, Zach, you've been up to anything at all last month? Um, just mainly studying for my uni exams. Oh, it's, yes. it's, it's nearly finished. I've got one more month, and then I can put this course behind me, and I'll probably take another couple of years out then. But um, well, I want to focus on my diving when I get all that done. Oh, you're when diving. I, uh, Oh yeah, must, oh I, of course I haven't mentioned before. I don't think I do we ever talked dive. about that except for you did mention you worked at a diving shop last episode. Yeah, I do, I do that as just like a bit of a, a side hobby to help. But the scuba diving thing is like a hobby, a passion. But um, I want to get clued up. Want to get my courses done. Want to be an instructor for a bit. You know, just get a bit more money on the extra side. Well, yeah, that sounds like a that sounds. I've never scuba dived. Um, lack of opportunity mostly. Uh, so where do you dive? You dive in the uh, ocean or lakes or where do where do you go? Uh, lakes, quarries in the UK, um, we do quite a bit of um, coast diving around uh, Wales, South England, Scotland. Um, so we, so, we, so we, everywhere. Yeah, basically. Everywhere there's water. We have international dives in like Iceland and uh, Malta and the Maldives, but um, I, I don't tend to go on those because they're ex expensive. Yeah, expensive to travel, expensive to... Mm. Yeah, I can imagine. It's the insurance that's the killer. Oh yeah, because I imagine that any of those trips you gotta like pay like what for life insurance and health insurance yeah. just to go. Yeah. Sign waivers and what such <clears throat> whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's expensive. Yeah. So what about you, Jim? What have you been up to this last month? Uh, not a whole lot. I've been working an awful lot. I deal. See, my my job isn't quite as glamorous. Uh, I, I deal poker at a casino. Oh, I see. Yeah, I uh. I um the last two last two weeks in particular we've had just buttloads of people and we've just been busy. I mean this I'm lucky I've been able to get in to record this week because uh, I I had to work six days and this is my only day off this week. Oof. Yeah I know, but it's cool. It's cool. 
And, but the worst, of course, most people say, oh, but overtime. But in my job, we work for tips, and so overtime isn't actually lucrative at all. No. And it's just working more. But at any rate, I'm here, and I'm ready to read. Well, I've read the comics. So I'm ready to review some comics. Bit of a reprieve, then. Yeah. Other than that, you know, I've been uh, keeping on, you know, keep I keep putting together my, my custom 2008 trades. I've been getting going back to stuff in, like, 2012. 2013. Um, I've been finding out, realizing that there's some previous year stuff that I really should get my hands on in digital format. So I've been thinking about like rebuying all of my uh, previous 2080s in digital format. Well, I think it was just today. <clears throat> sorry, just today actually they re-released all the 2009 progs yeah. uh, and megs, so yeah, you can I, get them digital now. Yeah, I got that push notification, so I can get to work on that. No, it's just really nice to have all the all the 2080 just you know at the palm of my hand. It's just super oh, yeah. convenient. But um, what else am I doing? That's about it, really. Um, most of it watching TV. I've been trying to catch up on some TV shows from this season. Have you um have you got into Steven Universe yet? Oh, oh my God! Thank you for bringing up Steven Universe. I watched all that was available on Hulu. It's pretty amazing, it, isn't it? It's a great TV show. It's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. It's my it, I I didn't get into it until I finished um, uh, Avatar: Legend of Korra. Korra, yeah, I watched Korra and I, too. And I was going, oh, what what, 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 I need some kind of Western animated show. Something that 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 fills the void. Oh, and Steve, I started watching Steven Universe, which was about eight months gone by that point. Yeah. And it was oh my god. See, unfortunately, Hulu's only got the first half of season one, and they're already like halfway through season two. So yes. I, I, I'm way behind, and I, I haven't really been able to figure out how to catch up because they did, haven't released season one on like Blu-ray yet. No, it, it, it's a bit weird how it's being done because it doesn't have a season block; it just runs. Yeah, it's a bunch consistently. of consistently. Like it hasn't really stopped since it started, so I never, I never even realized it was classified as seasons. Really, I didn't realize no. that. I thought it was more of a, a break than that, but I guess it just like goes on break for a while, then comes back, and then. It's just kind of an ongoing thing. Yeah, it's, it seems to have like a couple of weeks off. I don't. I'm not up to date with it. I mean, I'm a couple of months behind. Right. But I've watched the whole of. Um, oh, I just I just finished the Prison Break arc. Yeah, I I haven't. I, I like I said. I my last episode was uh, Line Three directed video. It was like oh, right. middle of season one. Ah, oh, bugger. Yeah, right. Right. Apparently, apparently it, it gets really good after that. It does. It's a crazy good show. Yeah, it's a uh, you know it, it's funny. It draws a lot on like like anime in a lot of respects, while at the same time keeping Western you know, story structure. It, it's like yes. it's like you, you've got Dragon Ball elements. It's got Sailor Moon elements, but it also has like Dexter's Lab elements and like mm-hmm. uh, it's actually the show I probably I probably compare it cl- most closely to. Oddly enough, would be like Samurai Jack. Yeah. Yes. Maybe not quite as serious, but it's kind of it's definitely got that like that action show comedy thing going on. So that, like, the perfect, perfect. There's balance. quite a lot of good Western all ages series at the minute. Oh, there are. I, 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 I for say, years there were, weren't any good ones. Right. Like back back in the day, you had you've mentioned Samurai Jack. You also had the the Bruce Tim animated yeah, yeah. DC stuff. All you had. Yep. All of that great stuff, and then for like most of the 2000 through to 2010, it was just not very good stuff. Right. It's just and there's that weird transition where animation got like 
really expensive, and like with the H, basically HD, the advent of HD TV sort of kind of slowed things down, but things have kind of picked up again now that it's gotten a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's it's weird. A lot of these really great shows really struggle to to uh, to last. Um, like your Young Justice and your uh, um, Mighty Avengers. Like yeah. those were like two really well, good. Mighty action- Avengers is a really good one. Which one? I, I, Mighty Avengers. Yeah, I heard it was. Um, I haven't actually seen it yet, but apparently those are two really good action shows that only could last like two seasons before, like, if I remember correctly, Young they Young Justice got canceled for the stupidest reasons ever because girls were getting really into it instead of boys, so they couldn't sell toys for it. That's exactly what it was. That that was such nonsense. Yeah. Um, but but in, you know, like Cora, Cora managed to pull out four seasons, but at, but even after four, even though Avatar: The Last Airbender only ran three seasons, it ultimately has more episodes. Mm. It's just it just it's just such an uh, expensive show to make, and it's it's you'd think with the amount of like um, popularity it, it, you you see on the internet for it, but it doesn't seem to translate to like real world numbers. No, Cora. It, it can be a cult phenomenon, and it can be a very vocal minority of support. But at the end of the day, it's still a minority, right? And so, um, what it was? What are good shows? Apparently, that CG Ninja Turtle show is pretty good. Oh. I've not heard any anything about that whatsoever, really? so I can't say. But um, the, I know I grew up with like the 2004 Ninja Turtles, and that, that I seem to remember that being really good. I I, I grew up on the '89. Uh, I'm way. I'm an old man. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about the the '90s live action TV series. Then. I also grew up a little bit on that. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I was a Power Rangers fan at the time, and there was a big crossover episode between the two of them. So that's primarily where I know it from. Yeah. So yeah, that was the less said about that show, the better. But what's funny about that show is it's actually in continuity with the live action movies. Yeah, it, <laughs> but they were like. It was like Saban made that show. The guys who did the Power Rangers, uh, who do the the adaption of the Power Rangers. Oh yeah. And it was like their attempt to like make their own show as opposed to cannibalizing other shows. It just did not work. It didn't work. It did not. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, well, this is a really good time for cartoons. I mean, if I mean, I'm not a fan, but My Little Pony is freaking huge. And apparently, if you're a fan, it's really good. And of course, there's Adventure Time, which honestly I don't like as much as Steven Universe, but I still find it charming. I'm in the same camp with that. I never twigged to Adventure Time as much as others, but it is. I watch it if it's on. Yeah, it's good fun, it's, but it's not something I'm a rabid right. fan. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna marathon it like I did Steven Universe. No. But you know what? I will marathon regular show. I've yet to watch that, Rick, but I've told I, I, I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty, so Rick I'm told Party's that great show. it is really good. So I, I keep saying regular show, I should be the next one I'll watch. But um, what about uh, Venture Brothers? Do you ever watch that? That's one. Didn't that get canned as well? No. Um, it's, well, it's still going. It's still going. It started in 2001, and we're on season six. Right. Well, we're going to have season six sometime later this year. Because I need to get to uh, Venture Bros as well. Oh, and Archer. Archer's a great show. Uh, Venture Brothers is probably my favorite show of all time. Well, that that's probably that's probably Battlestar Galactica, but it's up there. It's up there. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. Venture Brothers is definitely worth watching if you like action comedy shows. It, like I said, there's only when you think about it for as long as it's been running, there's only five seasons, 
and I think they're all on Hulu right now. But okay. but late last year there was like an hour long special like TV movie, and then that's going to lead into a season six. And as far as I know, it's not the final season. But at this point, any season could be the final season. But creators want to keep making it, and Adult Swim keeps paying them to make it. So even if you only get a season once every three years. Okay. I guess I'll get on to that um, <clears throat> uh, soon enough. Yeah, actually, you know, Venture Brothers was probably like the shining beacon during that dark period of the 2000s when there were, Adult Swim in general was probably... Because I'm a big fan of Aqua Teen Hunger Force and those 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 uh, raunchy comedy shows that they made. Yeah, I love Aqua Teen. They're on their they're being canceled. They're in their last this, season right now. See, you meant uh, talk about Aqua Teen and even Adventure Bros. It was around about like 2001 and stuff like that. I was kind of moving away from that kind of well, say 2001 through to 2005. I was too young to Probably, really yeah. watch. It was broadcast at an hour, an ungodly hour, where I just wouldn't have been up. Of course. And then, obviously, just uh, you enter high school, you just stop watching cartoons. So it wasn't until years later that I started to watch it again. So yeah. Active Hunger Force, Venture Bros, Archer, all that. I need to really just get around to getting into the back catalogue of them. Yeah, Archer's a really good show, too. I've, I've got to catch up with the latest season. I'm behind on that. Hmm. Uh, other than that, yeah. I mean, yeah, cartoons are great right now. A lot of people say that there's nothing good on there's nothing good in animation anymore, but... It's not true. There's a ton of good stuff. Oh, definitely. Honestly, I think American t- cartoons are more more creative right now than even Japanese ones in general. Yeah. There's this anime's just gotten so formulaic lately. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, it's good to have something like Steven Universe. It's just like really fresh. Anyway, we've been talking about cartoon shows for an awfully long time. That's, That's kind of my fault. No, no, uh, it's, it's a team effort. Yeah. Uh, all right, then. Uh, 2008? 2008. We're, yeah, Prague's, uh, where are we? 1939 to 1942. We're in the yes. 20th century now. Uh, we're going to be hitting Prague 2000 in like a year and a half or so. Maybe, yeah, we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Got to wonder how they're going to, if they're going to finally make it uh, to that, uh, 3000 AD. Probably not. Uh, no, I, they've tried that once already and it didn't work. It never takes. It, ne- it never stuck. Um, it's been a really good month for 2008, I think. Um, Dread is obviously the, 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 the starting point, and how good is Henry Flint on art duties on Dread? Oh, man, he is one of the best. He, he's got this like old-school yet modern style of like everything's all gritty and dirty and and the fact that this is like also like snow based, really kind of like I mean it's all like uh, got the the background of like cold and snow. It really plays into like his dirty, dirty scribbly style. Yes. yes. But it, um, you were saying about that. One of my favorite instances was in Prog 1940, page two, with the um, the shuttlecraft taking off and all the snow just cascading down. It has a real sense of weight and motion and it's everything he touches is very very dynamic very well done but this was obviously the same one where they um killed off McTee, which i wasn't expecting yeah he's the he's the uh the senior tech judge on the council of justice right yeah and he's been around for a while if i remember correctly he played like integral rules back way back in like total war mm. i think he was uh yeah i think he he 
Yeah, he was he was involved in like disarming the nukes in like t- in back in uh, Total War. I he's want, been around for a while. He's been around for a while. He goes out in brutal fashion. That was pretty grim. Being cut into like four pieces or it's pretty nasty. But you know, saying about all the detail that Henry Flynn puts in, the fact that you can make out every muscle in the incisions is absolutely remarkable. You wonder how much time actually Henry Flint spends on the actual panels because he seems to knock out a lot of art a year. He does, at least lately he has been. Um, yeah, he definitely definitely gives the the old inkbrush a workout. I, I actually wonder what his what his uh, what his um, technique is. I wonder if there's anything online with like shows going from pencils to inks. I should look that up. I think the only place you could really find anything is on the uh, the 2000 AD covers blog. Maybe. But um, maybe e- even then, um, you wouldn't get like the full tutorial how he does it. I think he's going to be at Fort Bubble this year. So if I get time to sit down and talk to him, I'll see. You can get any tips or anything like that because he is absolutely phenomenal. Um, just to talk about the story a little bit. Um, of course, this is this is a follow up to um, um, I can never pronounce it. Encialis, uh, new Enceladus. Enceladus, new new life, which was the story of how uh, Amy Nixon and her uh, Titan escapees, their plan to start a new colony on another moon, failed, and. Now she's come back to Earth, and she's brought some alien entity with her. <clears throat> and she is out for revenge. You know, it's funny. I've been following Amy Nixon as a character for a long time, uh, because her first appearance was back in the first uh, first Low Life series, which was one of the first, in a lot of ways, it was one of the first uh, Henry Flint series I ever read that really made me a fan of Henry Flint. So I've I've pretty much followed every story she's ever been in, and I've not been too hot on the idea of her becoming like this revenge-driven prisoner, uh, uh, ex-judge. I kind of wish they had not done that, because I like the character so much. I actually like her more than Dirty Frank as as like the lead character of Low Life. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm one of the weirdos that, that I like Dirty Frank, I just don't think Dirty Frank is a great lead character. Okay. Um, so all of this stuff going, I, I, when Titan started and she was revealed as a, as a, uh, as the mastermind behind it, or at least one of the ringleaders, I had hoped there was like a redemption arc going to be in there, but it's definitely going in a different direction. I'd never expected her to come back to Mega City One as an ice monster. No, well at this point she's got a bucket list where she's trying to off pretty much every judge, but starting off with the, um... Senior the, con- the 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 uh, senior cons- uh, council. Yeah, she's specifically going after the ones who ordered her her colony destroyed. Hmm. That that sort of I believe that's what she's everyone who voted to destroy the uh, the Enceladus uh, colony. If I remember correctly, that's how the last story arc ended was uh, it being nuked from orbit. Yeah, but Amy didn't know at that point that the sub judges had already killed them all, so she's um, worse. Yeah. <laughs> She's um, kind of gunning for the wrong people there, but then again, Mega City One would have nuked them anyway. So yeah, so it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't really matter. Everyone's everyone's, everyone's to blame. 
So yeah, um, so she's all she's already on a revenge spree. She's already taken out of uh, like we said, uh, Mick. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mick McT. Mick T. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, and um, that um, I. I can't remember his name, but that um, SJS judge who's been tagging along with all these stories. Oh, Gerhardt. Yeah, he's an, he's kind of an interesting new character. Uh, we don't get to see the SJS as people very often. No, no they're, they're just the um, kind of blank-faced, grim judges who judge the judges. Yeah. They're, um, they're not given main characters much anymore. They're just a side force, really. Yeah. And, uh, so it is nice to have um, Gerhardt as a reoccurring side character. Yeah, and he keeps getting chunks torn out of him. He's had the worst luck. He's more machine now than man. <laughs> and of course, um, there's this uh, other side story going on with the Titan Reconstruction crew being the only ones in range to go re-examine the, uh, the colony on um, Enceladus. So that's I, I'm curious where that's going to go if if maybe they're going to be responsible for saving the city quote unquote like this is some sort of like uh, what's the word I'm looking for like some sort of hive mind that if you kill the, like the queen back well, at base it'll... It, the, the movie um, oh the movie um, Enceladus the, the 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 actual entity that is controlling well not has become Nixon and all the other Titan judges. Um, it reminds me a lot of a movie called... What was it called? The Thing? No. Uh, it's not The Thing, but it is... Oh, I'll just quickly Google it. There was, there was a movie, a horror movie I've seen before now, which was had a very similar being in it. And obviously, to kill all the drones, you had to kill the hive mind. Right. Was it, Sl- so, was it, was it Slither? No. Oh, it'll come back to me in a second. Yeah, but, um, I don't see enough horror movies to be certain. No, but um, it, it is interesting to see where it's going. I, I do agree with you on respect, but I'm not. I wasn't particularly in Life Force. That was it. Oh, Life Force. Okay, I don't know that one. It, it's a Toby Hooper movie, but um, there we go. It was very similar to uh, the Enceladus being in that respect, but. Um, as as I was saying, I'm not. I wasn't particularly keen on the idea that Amy would become a full villain. Right. I was kind of hoping for a redemption arc, similar to um, similar to you. Um, but obviously, that never happens. So she's, make the most of it. She's if if she's still in control, if her mind still exists, because as being part of this entity, you got to wonder like how much is her and how much is the monster, or if she's the monster and she is just full on evil at this point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, still more arc to go, so hopefully some questions will be answered. Um, you you mentioned last time that but I did not realize that during there was a there was a one off low life strip back in uh, in uh, Prague 2015, and at the time you did no one realized that it was actually taking place in the future. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, I, I I really liked uh, how the uh, the end of uh, the latest issue in Prague, uh, nineteen forty-two, um, it ends with Dirty Frank building a snowman, and that snowman is in that one-off from Prague, twenty fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that I thought that was a nice little callback or tie-in or however whatever it's called. So yeah, this is definitely a really good arc, and I'm enjoying it a lot. 
Yeah, it feels like a classic kind of dread adventure. I think it would read a lot better. In, um, it, it reads fantastically as a weekly, but I have got to wonder how it will read all of it together in um, a collection. So it's Titan, Enceladus, yeah. uh, Old Life, and Enceladus, New Life. Um, I've actually been thinking of got because because I do own all the Amy Nixon stories. Yeah. Just thinking of going right to the very first Low Life and reading through all her appearances um, up until uh, I assume this is her swan song. Well, we'll see. But um, it's it's going to be interesting to just see in retrospect. Because Disraeli was in this Lysis issue. He was. That was an interesting transition um, in the Dread story. Um, it went from Henry Flint to a page just illustrated by Disraeli. What? in the? Oh, you're, you're, I think you're one, you're one prog ahead. Oops. That's oh, about 41, okay. I think. Uh, 43, I think, which I don't have. Oops. Sorry. Um, I won't talk any more about that then. But um, there is... A link to just just having Dirty Frank there is a a cool link to her original story, right? Because Dirty Frank was in the first Low Life. Yes, he was. He was a he was a, a side character in the first one. He did he didn't star until the s- second one, I think. There was two short. Was st- Sam Colby, I think. Yeah, when Sam right. Colby when Colby, yeah, when Colby started doing it, Dirty Frank starred twice. I think I can't remember. It's yeah. been a while. So you've got the two Mega City Confidential trades. Yes. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Those are good trades. I like those. I do. It's, it's nice that they took Lenny Zero in as well. Yeah. So yeah, Dred, Judge Dredd's been good. Um, just real quick, what did you think about the ending of um, Blood of Emeralds? It it felt like a setting up for a bigger story arc. It did. It, it felt like the first part of what will be uh, one of the big Michael Carroll story arcs. But um, I have to wait and see how long that'll last then, until we see the next part. I think it could lead to a war between um, Murphyville and Britsit. Right. And because um, Brit has been trying to play them and. Uh... And of course, Britsit's also been trying to play Mega City One, so who could definitely be some sort of conflict building there. Overt conflict. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be an interesting story, Fred, to see how far it goes. But um, it, it, Murphyville and Britsit have been such long-running parts of the Dread World, but they've not had an awful lot building up around them. So it'd be interesting to actually give them a exclusive story arc that doesn't involve Mega City One. You know, beyond Dread being involved in some way, he doesn't even have to be involved, I guess. Right. But it, it's like I, I was saying last episode about uh, all the Britsit spin-offs being non-consequential, non-consequential, not having any real purpose, and in in the end, just coming and going without having any real effect. Right. It'd be interesting if we did have a Michael Carroll scripted spin-off focusing on a war between uh, Murphyville and Britsit from one perspective or the other, because it would be an actual something with consequence. Something with consequence. Something that could be referenced in the main Judge Dread strip and it have importance. But um, no, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how that develops because Michael Carroll's got a lot on the back boil at the minute oh, yeah. in terms of scripting. 
Yeah, he's got so, he's got this, and he's got people from the future, and he's got uh, what else is he? No, that's John Wagner. John Wagner did the. He's got the um, the space corpse. Oh yeah, um, that's right. Back. That's right. He's been using um, he's been using um, Dolman a bit. Oh yeah, it's been yep. Yeah, I, I just reread that uh, the law that that arc with the law lords uh, from last year. I think that, yes. I think I'm pretty sure that was a Michael Carroll. It was, yeah. It was the one where they they brought the law lords back. I, I don't think he used the law lords originally, but um, I think those are going to be like a race now that he's going to use in future as like his his signature um, reoccurring antagonist. But you don't know. Yeah. I really need to read Law Con. I've had it. I've had a copy of it for a while, but I've never actually read it. I, yeah, that was a little bit before I started to get the Meg, so I don't have that reprint. So they'll probably have to wait until the case files come out before I actually read any of the stories that are in there. So that'll be quite a way off yet. All right. Um, so Absalom wraps up uh, the uh, this month. Um, you were right. It's definitely Harry on a recruiting drive. Uh, this kid, the governor. Uh, gotta say, I really kind of liked how this ended. I, I liked how it didn't end badly for the kid. Yeah, because yeah. he was the one character you don't you didn't want awful things to happen to. Because he he is the he's uh, he's the one being manipulated, being used. Basically, yeah. But. Um, yeah, it is nice now that there's more key characters, so when they eventually do go down into the mill, um, it's not just going to be one or t- Harry and um, what's their names? Huh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate because they are a kind of interesting characters when they spend time on them, but they often get shoved to the background. Basically. Um, but it's now nice that we have more characters that we can actually, like, get involved and now that we have their backstories i do wonder if absalom is because it's so infrequent in its appearances it would read better in just one go oh i'm sure it's not as infrequent as you think though um usually you know you get a there's usually like a one-off in like the the end of the year special and then you get probably one full strip every two years i mean it's not as frequent as you'd like but it's been coming out fairly regularly since it started Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather sit down with the trade though and just work out everything so far. Yeah, that for I have the first trade. It's a really good trade. Hmm. I recommend it. But of course, um, Trevelyan was busy last year, which was probably why uh, they didn't get this series knocked out as quickly as they could have done because he was doing that. Um, Robbie Burns' Witch Hunter graphic novel, oh, is which it? came out a while ago. Still haven't read that, but apparently that's fantastic. Really? I, I, I had no idea. No, that, that's why this one apparently took so long and they were just doing all the one-shots. Gotcha. So they could, so they could um, focus... Because that was Gordon Renee written as well, I think. Um, so the two are obviously working on quite a bit together. But hopefully the next one won't take as long mm-hmm. to turn up. Yeah, because um, they're definitely building towards a big conflict of some kind, It'd really be too bad if it went too long without a resolution. Yeah. But, um... This one, this particular story arc, uh, just basically felt like 
the demons were a uh, backbench villain. It was the because it was just Mister Critch and a couple of his robot servants. Right. The, the main villains were the church members. Right. And how they were manipulating Harry and uh, um, to clean up their mess because they had been, the they had made all these demons as weapons and they just didn't work out like they had hoped. Yeah, to so come in and clean up our our problems for us. It was, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't have an awful lot more to add to it, other than the fact that um, it's not. I preferred the previous two ones, particularly the one with the um, the the rift in time, where everything from like Celtic era England was just pouring out from the past into present day London. Right. Um, that that was one of my favourite stories that I've read in 2000 AD for a while, but this one just felt much more like a setup than an actual story. Yep. It's like, it's like when Sinister Dexter turns up every now and again, it has a, a small story like this, and then it has a bigger story arc that lasts a bit longer. So I, I don't know how long it'll be before it comes back, but um, I think it'd be this current story arc would have been judged better as part of a longer a longer serial. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely part one of probably two pieces, uh, ultimately. So, yeah, it'll probably, yeah, definitely as, as a trade, whatever whatever comes next included with this will probably be as a pretty good little epic. Yeah, yeah definitely, because this will probably comprise the bulk of the second collection. Yeah. So there'll probably be, like, one more, maybe two more uh, series, maybe another couple of one-shots, and then that'll be the second volume. Um, I just kind of hope it's not left on a cliffhanger like Cabalistics is. Let's hope not. I don't. I don't believe that'll be the case. It's definitely. Renee, uh, speaking of which, we should probably start. We should offer an apology to Mister Gordon of how. Oh yes. I I've been butchering his name for nigh on ten years, and uh, apparently it's pronounced Gordon Rennie. Yes. Not. Rene with a flourish, as I tend to do. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I, he, he actually said online as well, it's not pronounced like Rene in Allo Allo. <laughs> I, I thought it was pronounced like Rene in Allo Allo. So I, that, that is my fault, I'm sorry. So it's Rene? Yeah, apparently it's, it's pronounced how it's spelled. Yeah. Uh, so I am sorry. My only excuse is that I'm American and I, uh, English is my second language. And my excuse is I'm a dumb fuck. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Gordon. Um, I feel like we haven't put much time talking about helium these the last couple of episodes, when really we should be talking more about it. Yes, because it is pretty good, isn't it? It is pretty good. High-flying aerobatics. Awesome airships. Uh, awesome airships. I, the world building in this is actually really superb. It, it it really builds this sense of there's like this this world you living breathing world you can really believe in a world that's been screwed up and now there's like three different factions on this like it's just it's just it's been building itself up over the course of its uh, what are we on part nine now yeah and uh, it just feels like. You can believe in what's going on here. That everyone's like motivations ring true. 
I, I'm wondering whether this is going to be a, a one and done tale because Brass Sun I seem to remember was originally supposed to be like a one and done tale before it's now become a massive multi-part saga. Yeah, an ongoing. Um, there's so much to this world I'd happily see there be another two or three yeah. additions to it. Because we, so far we've explored the sky, now we're going into the, the toxic cloud. Right. My, um, my gut tells me that it's going to end at probably chapter 12, and whether or not that's going to end on a, on, a, on a like a cliffhanger or be a conclusion. Where we are in the story right now, it just feels like it'd have to be like on a cliffhanger. Yeah. Leading to another arc. I definitely could see it going both ways at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting that it's it's a lot more self-contained than some of the other um, Edgington-verse material. True. It's uh, because right off the bat, Anthony Crucis was steeped in other-dimension Cthulhu-type material. So there's always a prospect there of there being like looking into other worlds and stuff like that. And Stickleback's done it from the very beginning as well. Right. Uh, Helium doesn't seem to focus on that and is more focused on the, the character-driven Right. It, it, it doesn't have any um, occult themes, so it doesn't have like any otherworldly-type things to bleed into it. It's, it's no. really kind of its own thing. It is Actually, now that you mention that, now that I say it out loud, th- this is probably his most like sci-fi... Well, I guess Brass Sun. Brass Sun's pretty much all sci-fi. There's no real supernatural stuff going on there. But that's kind of like really out there sci-fi with like clockwork universes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a spiritual type yeah. uh, sci-fi. Whereas, Whereas this is just a, a, an old-fashioned pulpy type sci-fi. Pulp adventure, airplanes and tanks and all the World War One tech you could possibly want. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really, really good. Um... Another reason why I think this is leading into probably an, at least another 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 uh, another another book is because how they drop that this the lead character here um, how she's maybe important and so that that strikes me as being introduced fairly fairly late into the story yeah. so yeah. it makes me think there's more to be developed there uh, as yeah, like it's, it's not going to just be left dangling right. Yeah, I'd be surprised. I mean, if it maybe it's going to go longer. Maybe it's going to be a twenty-parter. Maybe it's going to go. Well, I don't know. If, I highly doubt it'll go to the end of the year, but because that'd be probably too extreme. But um, mm-hmm. I think it'd be cool to have a, a year-long strip that's just lasts for fifty-two parts. That it, it, that would be that would be something to see. That'd be something. I'm not sure how well the readership could handle having Judge Dredd and another strip going an entire year together, because what if you don't like it? Yeah. And it's just taking up two-thirds of your comic book. I mean, I can see that, I can see how that would be awesome, but at the same time, I can see how, how, how it'd be risky uh, from an editorial point of view. Yeah. Because it may not go down the way you think. I mean... They've less well, not recently. They've in the past they've had a few strips that would like show up like um, every like six weeks or so. Like um, um, Gray Area for a while during its first year was like yeah. in the book like I want to say sixty percent of the time. And yeah, I do seem to remember like two thousand twelve. It was around for most of the year. Yeah, and um, they did it previously with um, oh, what was it called? It was called um, I can see the cover in my head. It was. Um, 
Wasn't, wasn't Dante around quite a bit? Oh yeah, first? Dante was definitely around a lot early on. Um, I gotta go to Barney's Zone really quick because this is killing me. Uh, it was Harry Kipling deceased. Oh, was that around a lot? Yeah, the year it debuted, it it, it was up. I, I, my memory was that it uh, it, it appeared fairly frequently all year. And then we never saw it again. Yeah, thanks, Iceberg. <laughs> we talked about that one last week, though. But um, mm. no, if if Ian Edgerton just say just to throw a name out there was to do a fifty-part single-story epic told in one go, Red Seas Two. It could be a Red Sea sequel for all I care. I, I'm, I'm for one was not a detractor of Red Sea. I love Red Seas. Um, but no, we've not seen Ampli Crucis for a bit. We could have a massive story arc for that, or we could have a massive um, stickleback story because yeah. the last series dropped a massive, a massive cluster bomb. Oh, but yeah. um, no, I, I think it'd be an interesting experiment for there to be another permanent strip besides Dread just for a year. You would need a you would need a strip that you would be okay with like different artists though. Like I highly doubt De Israeli could do Stickleback for fifty weeks. Yeah, it seems like, um, seems like he would need more time. He would need like three years in advance. Yeah. Uh, Hell, just give it to Henry Flint. Yeah, he, just give he, Henry he could Flint. Do it. He will do it. He would do it. He would find some way to do it. He would. He'd grow a third hand just to just to get it done. He'd do some way of doing it. Yeah, I, I'd be all for like some experiment like that. That would be that would be interesting. Um, what else we got? We got Outlier continues. Continues. Um, continues. Yes. Um. So, you, you, are you uh, enjoying it any more or less? Um, I'm not. Unenjoying it, well, unenjoying it. I'm not disliking it. Yeah, it's it's a decent strip. I just don't think it has the impressionability to be something I'll think of five years down the line and go, you know what I'd like to read again? Outlier. Yeah, it's it feels kind of flimsy. Yeah, my biggest my biggest the thing that's not really gelling with me is um. The herd themselves were getting more about like what their culture's like and what their technology's like and what they're like and the way they were set up as like this this other otherly alien race that, that humans could never really hope to understand. And all of a sudden, two guys do understand. Them. Yeah, and uh, they're they wind up just being a bunch of powerful aliens with technology that I don't know. They just they're not as impressive as like the myth suggested. No. It was kind of an anticlimax, um, and I think that's that's always the problem when when you kind of create this like advanced alien race that humans want to understand but don't seem to be able to, and then you try to explain it to your audience, yeah. and it, it never lives up. Leave it a mystery Leave is it. the best way to go with it because that way it, it, it's not disappointing. Um, otherwise, yeah, it, I still think the artwork's still really good. No, the artwork's the artwork's fine. Um. Richardson, uh, yeah, Richardson is a decent artist. He's got a style to it that's quite easily recognizable. Um, I can't even describe why, what, what is like, what, what makes it distinct, but it's always very obvious when you see it. 
Oh, oh yeah. He's got a certain kind of line work to it. it um, his, his characters have a rigidness to them, but the backgrounds all look very malleable. Yeah. They all, they all kind of mold together, so you have characters that are... You, you never, like... So, um, there's the scene where Carter's just kind of hiding behind a couple of the pods. You can definitely see him because he's outlined, but a lot of the pods are just kind of translucent. Right. right. It's like that with a lot of the... Um, just the scenery he does. It's all very... The, the scenery is very lineless, but the characters are hyper-detailed. Yeah, that's sort of what it is, isn't it? Yeah, he, he does good techno backgrounds, good good spaceships. Good beasties, good aliens. Good, good aliens. Um, I want to say, the, one thing I did enjoy this in these last few issues on Outlier was uh, the scene in... Uh, which one was it? I can't remember. It's the one where the... Uh, the, uh, the uh, commander from the base that got destroyed got got dumped into space in an escape pod, and she's all, "Oh God, no, not this!" Yeah, because yeah. it really kind of you know sent home like space is really vast and isolating. It really sucked to be alone in a pod. <laughs> I thought that was like uh, that was a really kind of clever moment. And she was never heard from well, that, again. That's sort of the big question. It, they they say in this they're probably being followed. She'll probably be picked up, but probably, probably isn't one hundred percent for sure. Of course, I just, my guess is if we ever see Outlier three, she'll probably be back. It does feel like it's one of the series that sets up for a trilogy yeah. rather than uh, just to leave it at two series seems a bit funny. It won't fill out the trade. No. It's, you've got to go for the um, trifecta, the Ichabod Azrael um, effect. Give us three series. Um, yeah, but yeah, it'd be yeah. interesting to see if it's read. You mentioned it in a trade. It'd be interesting to read it all in one go. Yeah. I think it could potentially read better in one go than it does in uh, a weekly format. Yeah, could do, could do. Um, I don't know. It almost feels like one of those strips that might actually read worse in one go if only because it feels, like, a lot more brief than it would reading it week to week. Like, it, yeah. like, like ultimately, like, it doesn't have a lot of meat on its bones, so when you, like, read it all in one go, it just kind of feels like... At least when you go week to week, there's a little bit of anticipation between cliffhangers, be- between, uh, between episodes. I don't know. We'll have to... I'll have to try it. Because I, I am putting together a, a custom trade for it, so rereading the whole thing in one whack is definitely in the cards for me at some point. Yeah. yeah. It also kind of depends on um, how this serial ends as to whether we'll get a third one. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see a third one and uh, a third series and just think. I still got to I still got to wonder if this is all just a ruse because it seems like he's rescuing his parents a little too easily here. Yeah. Everything just, seems to have gone together. The plan seems to have gone off pretty much without a hitch. Except for a few things. <laughs> Almost too easy. I guess we'll see. So yeah, um, last strip. Jaeger continues on. Yes. yes. Um, it's. I think it's, this one's been really good. Apparently all Jaeger's um, colleagues are dead now. I, <laughs> I don't suspect that's true. Although that was pretty funny how she described it, and then that wound up being uh, more of a one-sided fight after all. Yeah. 
said they're going to fight to the end. Oh, wait, they're all dead. Yeah, they're, they're all, all in a pile. Uh, I don't think they're dead, though. I don't think the strip would throw away their, their three main uh, supporting characters that quickly, that easily. No, it, it, because besides Jaeger, there's only really the two um, other members of the crew who can actually do anything. Sniper Boy yeah. just kind of slivers off, um, but gets gets a shit bean out of him anyway. Yeah, also, I think they're clearly using stun batons. They're those blue glowing bats. Alright, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're clearly not getting shot up, they're just getting caught. <clears throat> but uh, this whole plot line of... This uh, this kind of rogue military unit trying to use uh, see it's 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 taking me a while to really figure out what the jux the uh, the uh, the thrust of this whole series is about. But apparently there's like a bad strain a bad genetic strain in in in, in Nordland that like manifests itself as like monsters in part of yeah. like part of the gene pool. And so Jaeger's job is to find these genetic anomalies and terminate them to keep the bloodlines pure. And so there's this rogue unit, and they are trying to apparently use these genetic anomalies within their unit to build super soldiers to better serve the the country. The Nordland. The Nordland. Yeah, Nord, yeah Nordland. Um, and of course, that's frowned upon by by the leadership because that's impure bloodlines and purity. Purity. They also seem pretty difficult to control, to be honest, because. Yes. Um, Eight foot tall monsters that eat human flesh. They're not easily um, easily weaponized. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? I, I like this thing when uh, when Jaeger gets uh, tied up with these Souther soldiers, and b- she basically describes them as like they're like your GIs, but then they're nothing it, like GIs. But, but in the, yeah, in, in the in the in the thought box, it's no, they're nothing like GIs. <laughs> GIs have self control. These Strigoi, yeah, I think it was Strigoi. Yeah, that sounds. Um, they're they're effectively um, hide monsters. Uh, you know, Doctor Jack and Mister yeah, Hyde. Like they're like out of control werewolf. Yeah, they're um, they're they're not even a genetic experiment like the GIs. They're just the defect that's been through. Nordland gene pools for God knows how many years. It's got to the point now where they, they didn't weed them out right. properly, so they actually just got stronger. Um, Probably all that aristocratic inbreeding. Damn it. Um, but no, it's uh, uh, because Jaeger has in this story been tied up with all the Southers. This has given us a lot more time to focus on her as a character, whereas previously it just felt like uh, she she kind of got uh, stereotyped, not stereotyped, um, archetyped a little bit, right. and, you know, stuck with typical badass um, female sergeant, wasn't given much. Um, her, her dad doesn't like her. Her dad doesn't like her. She's uh, too soft. She was forced, to, forced to shoot a bear at point-blank range. Um... It, it, she didn't get an awful lot of development until this story, when obviously we've found all about her, her background, where she had the opportunity to save 200 South uh, uh, prisoners of war, but um, because of the trying situation, she had to let them burn, and that's obviously like a big burden, which is why she's trying to help rescue like these these half a dozen or so South soldiers in this story. 
So I think just over the last uh, nine parts, is it, at this point? Yeah. I think there's, yeah, there's six issues or so. Um, no, on part six. Yeah, she's she's been fleshed out a heck of a lot more in this story than she has been in the last couple. Um. Yeah, uh, one thing about this strip... um. I was a little unclear on who her ally was, who kind of just showed up. Uh, the ones that, the one that's been helping her out by like uh, leading her to. Um, uh, what, am I, what am I talking about? Um, he showed up in part two, and she wound up sleeping with him. Oh, Ishka. Yeah, that guy, and he's sort of been leading her on to all these like atrocities that have been going on. Hmm. And I kind of, Inside I kind of got confused for a while. I thought he was like the commander, not his subordinate. No, no he's the second. Apparently. He's the second in command, and apparently he's trying to like um, expose all of this, you know, as, as carefully as possible, so it doesn't blow up in his face. But uh, I thought his his introduction was a little bit um, understated. That I just, I just I didn't pick up on who he was until going back and rereading it. Yeah. yeah, and the, the, now we've been introduced to the Cashian Commander. He's probably not going to last long. No, he's a. Yeah, he, he's probably not going to end. Have a good ending. No, any person wearing a monocle though deserves to. <laughs> Sorry to anyone who wears a monocle, but they all they usually end up dying in comics. They're usually the bad guys. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, I definitely enjoy Jaeger a lot. I'm glad it's got a few more chapters in it. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see where it goes. It's one of those ones though that just seems to get landed with the really short story arcs. Yeah. I don't know whether that's um, Gordon's um, preference just to have like nine part stories um, because it's the same with Absalom. They they're just shorter stories that pop up every now and again and don't really seem to get cemented in the the same way. Yeah. That uh, some series it's like it's almost too bad that they're both running at the same time, when they could have been like parceled out more through the year, so we'd have just more Gordon running throughout the year as opposed to a big chunk all at once. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, I think Jaeger's absolutely fantastic. Oh, um, it's, it's it's definitely the best, one of the best current ongoing series. And the thing is, we got two strips last year, plus the one shot in the um, 2015 prog. Right. So it's possible we'll see it again before the end of the year. I'd, I'd like that. Uh, I don't think that's likely, just to how close we are to the end of the year, but if it would come back in, like, prog 2016, that'd be great. Oh, yeah, poss- yeah. yeah possibly. But no, um, great script, great Simon Colby artwork. Oh, yeah. Um, a good strip all around. So that's 2008. Uh, pretty uh, um, steady, steady lineup these last four weeks. Uh, nothing, nothing new. Uh, but with um, oh, absolute, one thing, what's up? One thing I did forget to mention: the uh, the thrills of the future. Yes, uh, the, the order's coming back. It is, and that's got me pretty hyped because the order was my new favorite strip for the last couple of years. I also like the order. I thought that was. I thought it was a really interesting uh, new series uh, that started early. Uh, I think it started uh, first of the year. Um, I thought overall it was really good, and I'm glad it's coming back. I'm glad it wasn't just a one-off. 
I, I liked his combination of both. Uh, it's kind of had it kind of had this weird mishmash of like uh, um, um, sci-fi and supernatural and otherworldly stuff. And what it read like to me was not um, the problem is with a lot of strips like The Order, it falls into um, steampunk cliches. Right. Um, it didn't do that. Instead, it reads more like um, what I envision things like Mary Shelley and Dracula, uh, um, Frankenstein and Dracula, like the actual original novels. Yeah. Like um, proper gothic horror um, with a little bit of like dark magic slash science chucked in there, but not enough to make it feel outlandishly um, punkish. Right. But it, it had a really good mixture and it was a really good strip. Um, Really looking forward to it coming back. That will be probably Prog 2016 as well, won't it? Um, I maybe it'll come back sooner than that. I don't know. They're previewing it now. I'm not really sure what the turnaround time uh, from Thrills of the Future to actual print is. No, I, I know. I'm pr- well. It'll it, it, beginning of next year feels it feels right. Mm-hmm. But we, you never know. There'll probably be one more push uh, before the end of the year with a whole slate of, slate of new stuff. So. Could turn up. And um, the other one was Brass Sun, which we've already talked about right, a little bit. Right, that'll be back. Um, Did you say last time that you think Book 4 will be the last? Um, I did say that, but at the time I wasn't thinking straight. Now I think about it. The first three books were collected in a trade paperback. Ah, so six so rounders. So if there's going to be a fourth one, it isn't going to be the last one. I forgot about that trade, so... There's probably going to be at least another two after this one. I bet we see Brass Sun before the end of the year. Yeah. That, that feels like a, a year closer strip. Definitely. That is a good one. I'm looking forward to that. Definitely a lot to look forward to. Between uh, Kingdom, Strodium Dog, Order. Uh, I want to say there's one other, but I can't remember. Definitely a lot I... to look forward to. Indeed. So, I want to talk about the magazine for a little bit. Yep. Um, uh, another Rene, um, no, Rene, Rene, um, strip sign off with, um, obviously El Mazisto, um, his current Judge Dread magazine strip. Uh, what have you thought of it so far? I think I'm liking it more than I did in the first episode. Um, I think it's in general, it's going to be turned out to be a pretty good, pretty good series. Of Judge Dread stories, uh, I think uh, Carlos is on is really on point artistically. I think it he, he's doing really good crowd scenes, doing a lot of stuff with uh, different types of armor, different types of weapons. He's got some good mood lighting going on with like the basement scenes. Oh, oh yeah, just artistically, it all looks great. Well, the really good scene, the standout scene for me was. Um when the, the priest turned up and you just see a silhouette and obviously at first you think it's El Masisto. Yeah. And every, obviously everyone except Dredd does and everyone's like reaching for their guns and Dredd's just like, eh, nah, 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 nah. Nobody's killing anyone when I'm here. Only me. Only me. And, he, and you know because he did that, the priest is probably El Martisto. Quite possibly. Uh, Maldito. I, I, I'm bad with words. Maldito. Can't speak. Al Maldito, it's me calling El Mazisto. I think El Mazisto was, um, I mentioned it last time, was the original strip in battle, but El Maldito is this strip. Right. Um, the dr- dread one. Right. 
Of course, homages. Of course, somebody got shot here at the end, and he's he's definitely bleeding at the end. So either he was he's faking, or he's him. That that looks like a heart shot to me. It could be that um, Maldito. You say about the priest, it might not just be the priest or the. Eduardo, who got shot, or anyone else. It could be a number of people guising as one person. Them. Because somebody shot the um, the tech judge while Dredd was uh, chasing after Maldito. That's right. And then they left the M mark. So they, they can't all have been in that... Well, one can't have been in that many places. You're right, you're right. It could very well be a group of people. That'd make the most sense. Actually, I think well, the, I think the guy. I, well, I think the, the tech judge who got shot is misdirection. I think that's uh, was done by the uh, by the company, by the uh, by the oh, corporation as yeah, a, the, as like the, the, a, cr- as, a fr- as a frame job. Yeah, to keep to keep Judge Dredd on the scent and off theirs. Well, Dredd's on his own now. He's not got any kind of support or anything. He's not got any tech judges, so he's isolated. But you know uh, that only makes him more dangerous. You picked a fight with the wrong judge. But um, I'm liking it. The whole strip as a general, I think, is really, really well executed. It's Carlos uh, Carlos Esguira on art duties. So, obviously, it looks great. It looks fantastic. Um, It feels like a bit of a typical Western. But um, Dread in a Western... It's only going to be good for me. That's this. It's a really enjoyable little strip, but I don't think it's going to be like one of those long-lasting story arc-driven ones. It's just going to be a one and done, and then that's it. It'll never be referenced again. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, both. It's it, it it's uh. What's the word I'm looking for? It's success and it's curse. It, it'll, it'll be good for what it is, but ultimately it won't play into anything bigger. No. no. But this is um, um, Gordon's last dread anyway, so it's not like it was going to be right. a big a big thing. But I think it's, it's an enjoyable final hurrah at dread because... It's very atmospheric, very well done, and it's very scenic as well. Taking it out of Mega City One distinguishes it straight away from um, a conventional Dread strip. Even though at this point Dread spent quite a lot of time out of the city, it's still nice to have something out in the boondocks just doing its own thing. And I can't say there have been many stories that have been on a cattle ranch. That's true. I've not really got anything else to add yeah. to it other than it's uh, it is a damn enjoyable story. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I've got to wonder how many parts it'll be. So did you reckon about four or five parts? Uh, looks feels like a four parter. Okay. But if it goes six, I'll be surprised. Hmm. Yeah, six parters in the magazine seems to be reserved for like um Big story arc parts like that Dead Zone story right. was a a six parter. Did, so, didn't the club yeah. go six parts? Uh, I didn't read all of it, so I'm not I sure. think that was a five parter. But yeah, yeah, same thing really. Yeah. Hmm. So, 
Month number two, how are you feeling about Demon Nick? Uh, this was the month Demon Nick clicked with me. Um, at first, the first month, I was just kind of like, first exposure to Paul Grist. Um, how does uh, his... It, because when you have a single writer, illustrator, creative team, it tends to have its own uh, its own feel. Whereas if you have a writer working with a group of artists, it'll feel different from strip to strip, from comic to comic. But um, looking at Paul Grist's work here, this is like my first exposure to it. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, as I said, I like the dynamism behind it. I liked the illustrations, the colours, um, how the text just moulds into the actual image. Um, it looks like he's, he's all the text is hand-drawn. Oh, I'd imagine. I'm pretty sure he does all his own lettering. Yeah. It, 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 it's all very unique, very well done. I like the way he draws people. It's very blocky, very angular, um, very functional. It, it, it works fluidly, I think is what I'm trying to say. It's like the fight scene at the beginning of part two. Um, there is a sense of motion to it. It's, some people were saying that they... they sorry, uh, lost uh, the train of thought... Like, it, it didn't flow quite as well for them as it did for, for others. Right. I can see where they're coming from, but um, I, I don't think it's that difficult to adjust to it. It's just like, read left to right. Sometimes you have to go down. Um, but I find my my eyes just naturally attracted to where I need to read next. It's I don't see what all a lot of the trouble is. Yeah, me neither. But then again, I've been reading the guy for ten years now, so... Yeah. I'm used to all those little uh, tricks. From cause... which brings me to um, the other thing because I can't. Um, I, I read the the first issue of his image run on Jackstar. Okay. So it wasn't the black and white one. It right. was the first color. issue that was in color. Um, I really enjoyed that, uh, even if it did feel like it was mostly just a setup for people who had never read the black and white. Right material i'm probably going to get that first trade just to see how much i uh gel with it well when you say first trade you mean the color one or the black and white one? Oh no the black and white yeah one. my advice is start with jack staff everything used to be black and white which i think is a great name by the way right and it reprints uh the original um i believe 12 issue independent run that mm. led into the image color run yeah uh, I, I, I i probably want to pick that up and um uh, it's fair to say I'm a bit of a fan of his already. Yeah. I just like his art style and I like the, rate, the way he writes. How familiar are you with, um, how do I phrase this, the the British superheroes? Or I guess kind of like like the Claw or uh, Robot Archie or... Uh, pretty familiar actually. I've actually been reading quite a lot of the Claw since I got into Zenith because he turns up right. in Phase 4. And so phase three, even so, because a lot there's a lot of characters are homages. They're like they're like a combination of those characters and Marvel characters. Okay. Yeah, there's like um, instead of Robot Archie, it's Tom Tom the Robot Man, who's part robot. Oh yeah, he was in issue one. Yeah, so he's yeah. part Iron Man, part Robot Archie. Oh, cool. Yeah, uh, the claw is pretty much the claw because I believe initially he was going to use the claw himself, but I'm not sure why he ultimately did not. No. no, but um, who else is in it? A lot of characters. Jack Staff's greatest strength is it has such really good characters. Like he's got a pair of uh, vampire hunters called uh, 
Um, oh shoot! It's, it's a oh, are these a step toe and sun references? Yeah, that's a step toe and stone reference. I I did read that online as I say. Oh, there's these references to all these classic um, British comedies. Yeah, I was going okay. I can get references to like classic comics, but Steptoe and Son people in America aren't going to know who Steptoe and Son are. We had Samford and Son. Oh, I see. Which was the same premise, except they were black. I yeah, see. It was actually the same show. They just changed the name in the U.S. Oh, so, oh I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. Stanford and uh, Samford and Son is 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 the is the same thing as Steptoe and Son. But the, the other one, the other like comedy reference I got was um, it, I saw a couple of pages online when I was just flicking through Google Images. The cast of um, Dad's Army was in the first issue. I think it was the first issue. It was the 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 soldiers who were helping clear up some debris, and there was like I think there was a Captain America thing there well, as there's, well. Yeah, there's definitely there's a Captain America character who I won't do any spoilers on because he actually has a major story arc role. In, okay. In, a, in 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 the first uh, everything used to be black and white trade. Uh, what happens with him is actually pretty awesome. You'll you'll really I think you'll really dig it. Um. But yeah, because Jack Staff himself is somewhat a reference to Union Jack. I knew about that. Yeah, yeah. it was a Union Jack script that got uh, rehashed. Yeah, that's sort of the, that's sort of the story. Is that it was a, it was a Union Jack story that he pitched to Marvel that got rejected. Although he said in the in the, in in further follow ups that it got changed so much, it's not really the same story at all. Yeah, but it, it is it is kind of his take on the whole British superhero thing. Because there aren't that many. Britain does, doesn't have a lot of homegrown superheroes, and those that they no, do, we don't. those that they do have are like really kind of weird, and so he kind of plays up the weirdness angle. Mm. Um, Jack Staff's great. I love it. I I, I, I hate that Mudman right now because I saw on his Facebook that Mudman's coming back. He said that. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, Mudman's coming back after ja- um, after Demon Nick's finished apparently. Oh, that's good news. Uh, so I might get the first trade of that as well. I don't like Mudman as much as Jack Staff, but Mudman was still very entertaining. Uh, okay. Very self-contained, not connected to anything else he does. Uh, if you can get your hands on it, Mudman's worth reading. Although you'll get six issues in and go, "Where's the rest?" and uh, you'll have to wait with the rest of us. <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, I'm really liking Demon Nick. Um, like, it, as you, like you said with Mudman, it seems to be self-contained. I don't think it's linked to Jack Staff. Um, right. Um, could be from like the whole occult angle, but I don't know. Demon Nick is already doing what I like most about uh, Paul Grist and his work is that he's introducing like really interesting characters that you take one look at them and how they they look, how they behave, and you want to know more about them. Like um, Sister Mercy here, right here, is is a perfect example of a character that just shows up. Just you, you hear how she talks, you see how she acts, and you want it. You just you want her. You want to know everything about her past, who she is, why she does what she does. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's awesome. Well, it was the the one scientist? Well, not the one scientist. The one father. Yeah. The one priest who I'm pretty sure is an Alan Turing reference. Probably. It looks like Alan Turing. Um, but he's he's a sodomite. He like he likes torturing people. Uh, but um, <laughs> it, it I really like um just how it's all laid out and everything. But um, it's been a long month waiting for the next part. Uh, I might need to go back and read the last two. 
because I think it'd be one of those. Uh, we'll keep talking about strips how they read in one go. I think it'd possibly read better as a novel rather than a graphic novel. Yeah, possibly. I think that's somewhat true about a lot of these independent magazine strips. Is a lot of them read better as like a like a whole thing? Like I, yeah. I hear Number Crunchers was like really good as like a chunky book. And um, yeah, uh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, stuff like that. But yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm loving this a lot. I, I, I'm glad I'm reading the magazine right now. I wonder how long it'll last. Um, I don't know. Who knows? Hopefully, as long as possible. It is just after two parts. It just seems to still be just climbing over setup a little bit. That's true. So That's I do true. hope it kind of comes back as a regular um, installment. Um, I think it could do because um, looking at his Facebook page, I didn't know I hadn't even looked at it before um, Demon Nick started, but he he is a big 2000 AD fan. So well, I, I can't I can I can imagine. I mean, I gotta imagine he's a he's a fan of like all British comics because he draws so much inspiration from them all. <clears throat> I mean, he's got a character in Jack Staff who is just Alan Moore. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> Does he have one that's Grant Morrison as well? Does he have like the classical wizard and the technical wizard? No, just the, no. just the, just the Alan oh, Moore. Talent for now. Okay. <laughs> I w- I really want to get into Jack Staff. I think I'll get that first trade when I next get the when I get the the next Savage Dragon archives. Yeah. I'm getting really getting into all that like image super superhero verse stuff. A- I think it'll also be really good to have um, just more British superhero stuff. Because there isn't much. There isn't much. There's Jack Staff and Zenith. Basically. I want to talk about Zenith later. We'll, Zenith. Talk, we'll talk about Zenith later. Uh, what else is that? Oh, we got uh, we got we got Britsit Psy Judge. Yay. Number th- number four hundred and two. Uh, it's it's harmless. It is. It will come and go. I won't remember it. But it's um, it's just kind of there. I actually, the arts, I'm flipping through it. I couldn't even remember what happened this chapter. No. It, it's I'll grant the artwork would be better in black and white because um, Tim Tom Foster. I think he was the winner of the. Oh, it was either Fort Bubble or um, London Comic Con, or it was one of the conventions. He was a winner, and he had a um terror tale published okay um, and it was a really good one really really good fantastic black and white artwork but um i don't know if it was how the coloring was handled but it's completely botched his style i didn't even recognize it as his own gotcha um it's it's just it looks a bit of an ugly mess to be honest yeah i know that sounds really hard yeah, really mean it's got but, weird contrast, like all these like these scenes in the sand. The characters have all like this really dark contrast, but the ground is all like one solid color. Yeah, it just it doesn't look great. No, I don't know if it's the coloring or the inking. There's something screwy going on. I, I'm inclined to think it was the the coloring because if it if it had been black and white, I could have guaranteed it would have been a hell of a lot better. It's like some. It, this was the first strip that I had to read like three times just to properly understand what was going on. Right, like on, uh, on uh, page two where you got those uh, 
that bottom part of the page is all in like sepia tone. Yeah, that looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. The coloring on that is, you know, it's it, it, it everything looks like it's the right tone. But when it gets all the like the full color stuff, it just it doesn't look good. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's it, as I said, it just looks a bit of a mess. But the it, I don't think that's that's um, Tom Foster's problem. Uh, it, it, it's who was doing Kirsty Swan was the colorer apparently. No, I don't really have a lot more to add without it. It just didn't look good. I think the the last two pages looked the best with the whole, you know, blue yeah. tone. I think that looked a heck of a lot better. It is almost kind of like, yeah, you're right. There's almost like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It has like an almost animated type of coloring scheme. It, do, it doesn't have the dark blacks no. going on, so you can sort of see the line work a little better, and it just kind of pops a bit better. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll agree. If this artist had, like, if, like, if he, like, did a strip that was all colored, like, not not solid blue, but without, like, the high contrast going on, it would look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is the shading in the coloring process that just ruins it all. If they toned down the shading a bit, it would have been a lot easier to just... It would look a lot better. It would be a lot easier to follow, a lot easier to understand. Is the contrast, you're right. And in terms of the scripts, it's just not It's not particularly gripping. It's, it's obviously got to do with something that they found on the beach in that box, but I don't, I, I don't have any particular clue what it is, what it does. And it killed them all. Yes. Yeah. It's a bit of a... It's it's the weak link in what is otherwise a fantastic Meg. Yeah, I think. I just I, I don't think it'll last that long. It'll probably be about four parts, but um, it'll come and go. It'll be ineffective enough. Yeah. Sorry, I've just realised we're talking a lot about. <laughs> yeah. It's something I I haven't really liked that much. Do you have much more? To I add? got nothing else to say about it. No. We'll see if it can save itself before the end, but uh. I fear not. No. Weak, weak link, which is a shame. Uh, which is, um, leads you on to Lawless, which is quite the opposite, actually. It's really, really good. Successfully, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, uh, it tricked me and then tricked me again. Yes. Um, I, I like that. It was, it was a double, sorry. It was a double. It was a double twist. Double twist. So we all thought, of course, that that he was a killer, but then it turned out he wasn't. It was a false um, accusation. False. Yeah, like 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 you initially think it is, but then when you like see him with the gun, you say, "Oh no, he's a killer," and then it turns out he just had the gun because self defense. Self defense in a dangerous place it makes perfect sense. I'd carry a gun out here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm not pro gun laws, but if I was living on one of these, ran, uh, one of these, oh, what they called, far off settlements, uh, I, I'd have a gun. <laughs> Trying to, how do you pronounce your name? It isn't Pfeiffer, is it? Or is it 
Pfeiffer. I, I think it should be Pfeiffer. That's how I pronounce it Pfeiffer, in my head. Is it Michelle Pfeiffer? But just yeah, yeah. I, I think it's that. C- could be wrong. Yeah, I, I, I can't remember how that's spelled, but I, it's weird that it would have two T's in it and be no. pronounced with an F. But I'm pretty sure that that's how I pronounce it in my head. She's kind of a kind of an interesting character in that she's like a judge who doesn't want to kill anybody. Yeah. yeah. She's like she's definitely more of an office worker. Which is probably why she was shipped off to this place in the first, uh, yeah. to begin with. The, the roughest part of the universe. Yeah, uh, she's an interesting little um, Side opposition, opposition to martial law. Uh, not martial law, <laughs> uh, Wilson. Yeah, Wilson. Ron Marshall. Um, uh, I, I keep making that mistake. Um, who is, like, the dread of the area. She's very trigger-happy. It's like she, she, she kills a lot of people in this one. Cur- oh, Colonel Marshall. Yes. Oh, or Marshall Meta Lawson. It's Meta Lawson, yeah. Okay, so it's... It, it's it, yeah, okay, so her name's Lawson. Yeah. Okay. And um, this is obviously just tying into the, the corporation kind of ruling this, this little settlement... And um, any kind of outsider who tries to reveal how corrupt it is, they're, they're going to go to any means to, you know, get rid of them. Yeah, and of course, uh, whatever Lawson's deal is, she's just going to cut right through the bullshit. Because <laughs> uh, she, she's uh, these, these totally lawful bounty hunters. She just takes them out anyway. <laughs> Yeah, they're not really doing anything wrong because they've been tricked as much as anyone else. But um, nah, nah, she, she's just nah. You can die as well. Yeah, she's just she's just being nasty. Yeah, this is yeah, like you said, this is like this is like a really an, another highlight of the Meg right now. Oh yeah, artistically, setting, writing, everything's firing. It, it's great. I, I, there was one bit that um, tricked me a little bit, but then when I, once I realised what was actually going on, it is a really good bit of panel work. Um, on page uh, 60, um, she's using the Widowmaker on like a laser mode to cut through the shed. Oh, all the others in there. Yeah. I, I thought that was two different panels. Like two, oh, even though it's clearly yeah. not. And then it wasn't until later on I realized, hang on, she just cut him in half. Yeah. You don't see laser guns used like that very often as, like, no. a cutting tool. That was That's actually, now that you point that out, that's actually really radical. Although you see her set it to, like, auto-fire, so I guess it just fires continuously really in fast. that mode. Yeah. But no, it's really well executed. I think the artwork's absolutely phenomenal. Good stuff. And it, it's a good example of... Um, Anyone who says black and white artwork is inferior to full color. Yeah. Go go back where you came from, people who say that. <laughs> but no, I've, I've not got a heck of a lot more to add to this one other than it's the complete opposite of uh, Storm Morning. Yeah. It's engaging, it's entertaining, works well as a self-contained story, but also works well as um, part of an ongoing yeah, uh, I do gotta wonder like how well it would look with color. I almost feel like if it, if color was put on this, it would be ruined. 
Uh, I no, figure. I it guess it would be. depend who's coloring it. Yeah. yeah. Who does a lot? Oh, what's his name? I'm just going to look that up now. The guy who does a lot of the the coloring for Henry Flint and um, I also want to say Chris Weston. I'm pretty sure Henry Henry Flint Flint does his own color. Because I'm not. Yes, I'm not, he, yeah, I'm not he does. It's, it's not Henry Flint who I was thinking of. Then it was ah, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But um, he does a lot of the coloring for Chris Weston, and I've always thought he was a very good. It's no good if I don't remember his name. Yeah. Oh. But um, no, I, I think in the hands of certain people it could work. But at the same time, I think leave it in black and white because the the blacks are so tonally fantastic adding colour wouldn't add anything that um, it hasn't already got if you know what I mean right it's got depth and that's um, got depth got motion absolutely fantastic so that's the magazine yeah looks like uh, next couple of months are going to be mostly the same yeah yeah um, mostly looking forward to the further development of um, Dread, but also really looking forward to Demon Nick and Lawless as well. Do you read any of the articles in the Meg? Uh, I kind of glance through them. I tend to focus more on the letters page because they usually actually, they can be quite funny. Yeah. But um, when it comes to articles, I'll mostly only read them if it's about a um, another comic. Yeah. Yeah, there's only there's only two articles this 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 month. It almost feels like there's a lot less articles than there used to be. Oh, there are. I remember when there was like four or five, and it was like, "Where's all my comic?" Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, there's apparently a new one. These new books. It's like this one was about um, Gordon's um, White Trash comic, which apparently is a really old one. I thought it was a new graphic novel, but. Um, Apparently, it's a reprint from a really old thing. Apparently, that new books is going to be a new uh, column. Right. It's going to be in every month. So, if it's going to be an article in a comic book magazine, it might as well exist to like pimp other other comics. Right. I'm all for that. You know, just just tell me something that looks interesting, and I'll probably get around to it. Yeah. Any kind of like bio piece for a writer or an artist or. Even just talking about, um, yeah, a comic I've never heard of. I guess I didn't really look at this one very closely, but uh, what is it called? White Trash? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Who's drawing this? Uh, is I that think Beasley? It was... No, that's, no, Martin Edmund. Ed- Edmund. Yes. Yeah, I don't know him. Definitely got I, that. I'm not familiar with him. Definitely got either. that painted. Beasley, yes. Yeah. Well, this was the 90s, so everyone was trying to be Beasley. (laughs) Everyone was trying to do Beasley. Painting with elephant dung. That's that's unfair. And it is unfair, because Carl Critchlow started out like that, and he's amazing now. Yeah, I know. But, um... Well, speaking of Critchlow, The Vought. Oh, no, that was Disraeli. No, but close, because Critchlow is in the book. Yeah. You want to talk about the Vort? Let's talk about the Vort. I read this, this first was, time I read it. I read this when it was first running, and I gotta say, I was caught off guard by the ending. Um, mm. For those who don't know, the Vort is 
ah, it's old enough now. I guess statute of limitations. Uh, Most people have heard of it already because it's on the the 2008 Wikipedia page. That's, so. that's that's true. It is it is listed as a lobster random story. But um, the big twist of this is, of course, that lobster random had, lobster random had ended a couple of I want to say a year before. It didn't end end, but it, the the latest the latest chapter had concluded, and we were expecting it back at some point. And then this started running. And then it just felt like another, um, another you know, 2080 sci-fi strip. And then all of a sudden, at the end, it turns out we've been reading a lobster random story all along. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really love it when it does that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to say that this 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 strip was written. It was written by uh, C. Uh, oh, no, no, Simon Spur Spurrier. Yeah. Um, when I initially reread it, I wanted to say that. Originally, it had been written under his name, so we had just assumed it was another new uh, Spurrier strip. But it turned out he actually did write under a pseudonym at the time. Uh, it was oh, okay. yeah, it was listed under G. Powell. So at the time, it was uh, some unknown. Um, I'm not sure if if, uh, if at the time on the internet we guessed who it actually was, but uh, I do recall it not necessarily being obvious because. You only get one real clue that Crispy is a lobster random, and honestly, it's not enough of a clue that if you don't know it already, you don't really notice it, and that's he's, that he's really good at torturing people. Yeah. yeah. Considering a number of characters over the years in 2000 AD who have had that as a feature, right? it's, you know, it's just another... It's, it's nothing to assume that it was actually lobster random. Right. And of course, this 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 uh, strip has a really interesting setting where they're on a on a world where technology doesn't work, so they have to like cannibalize the the the, the indigenous species as weapons and armor, and the, there's like an electromagnetic problem from the local sun, and if you get too excited, your brain fries. So it's got to be it, it's like it really gives this like almost rogue trooper level of war is war is hell. Yeah, because yeah. the landscape itself is trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah. it's just even like the atmosphere and everything is hostile to humans. Right. Except for Crispy. And for that's the big mystery is that for whatever reason, no, Crispy is the only one unaffected by this electromagnetic problem. And of course, by being lobster random, in the he is a genetically engineered super soldier. Um, he he can't feel pain. I assume that's sort of why that that's the case. He doesn't yeah. sleep. Is the other thing. Um, and he's able to drink the rain without hallucinating, or at least not as bad as everyone else. Right. Um. So you you've been reading the Lobster Random collections as they've been coming with the Megs, right? Yeah. So you, you what do you think of Lobster Random as a whole? It's fun. It is a fun series. It is a fun series. I don't think I like it as much as something like Harry Kipling, which I think I think deserved a lot more time. But um, Lobster Random is a really fun tale. It's it's kind of like it feels like I'm reading a strip that it has no chance of coming back. Right. Because it's, it's unlikely to get renewed at this point. I'm afraid. So so what Kipling? You mean? Uh, both, both Kipling and yeah, it's been so long since we've seen them. I mean, unless they're planning on bringing them back in like in, like soon, because they've been reprinting all these the lobster random strips and they're like using that as a springboard to get it back 
you're, yeah. you're right. It's very unlikely that we're going to see it, it again, which is really unfortunate because I, d- I don't remember exactly where it ended, but it definitely didn't feel like the end. Uh, would this one, uh, where they go back to the vault, would that be the end? Yeah, is that, this, was this the final one? Um, I want to say Forget Me Not, uh, the Forget Me Not, which uh, they start reprinting in this in this reprint. I assume next, uh, next reprint is going to have the rest of it. Okay. I believe this is the final Lobster Random story. So next next reprint should be the last Lobster Random collection. Okay, I'll bring you up to date. That'll then. bring you completely up to date. And then we can talk about where it ends next time. Cuz uh this this uh this this reprint collection was like so jam-packed. They didn't even have room to preview what was coming in the next one. No, it just ended. It, it just ended. I mean, they 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 got the whole vort in there. They squeeze in like the first three chapters of uh, Lobster, the, the the follow-up Lobster Random series, and then they even squeezed in the final Harlem Heroes, uh, that uh, from the from the last the, the bunch of Harlem Harlem Heroes uh, cl- reprints from the last couple of months. Less less spoken about that, the better, I suppose. Yeah, I think it is literally like just one part. Yeah, yes, yeah, part twenty-eight. Oh, there we go. Let- Part 28, there's a series that lasted half a year, sadly. Presumably the last time we've seen the Harlem Heroes. Last time? Or, actually, what what was 705? Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. I don't care about Harlem Heroes enough to know anything about Harlem Heroes. No, no, not me neither. But, um... Yep, Lobster Random, really enjoying it so far. Um, I did kind of like the fact that they did put these first three chapters of Lobster Random directly after the Vort, because I think if you came in as a new reader, you would need these chapters to really understand what that ending really mm. meant. So I think as a collection of stories, this actually works pretty well. Oh, yeah. Even though it ends waiting for the rest of it to be reprinted, hopefully next, next month. month. Yeah. Would, you, would there be enough to make one floppy, or would they have to chuck something else well, in there? Well, that's my worry, is that they're not they're going to chuck the rest of it into the next floppy, and, it'll, and the cover will be something else for some other strip. Because I really yeah. want to just have another Lobster Random cover trade get, to get the cover. But we'll, mm. we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure what they could throw in with it, because there isn't a lot. There is not a lot left in terms of, like, uh, C. Spurrier. Maybe something Carl Critchlow, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. Possibly. So anyway, yeah, the Vort. Um, I, I, Fun story. Yeah, and um, the whole twist ending thing um, kind of segues me into something else. Uh, I wound up making a thread about surprise twists in 2000 AD on the 2000 AD forums, and of course you got your big ones. You got your dread is the dead man. You've got oh yeah, spoiler alert for old spoilers. Dread is the <laughs> dead man. Uh, mo- mo- uh, uh, Finnegan Sinister is Malone, and of course Lobster Random is Crispy, and Dead Eyes was a Indigo Prime strip all along. Yeah. yeah, and uh, trifecta, of course. Which that was the big one for me. Latest one because I'd been in 2008 long enough to acknowledge, oh, there'll never be a a a like crossover event, a true event, a true crossover and, in the classic sense. And then, holy shit, what happened? They did it, and it was really good. And it's weird because for years we had all been talking, hey, what if, what if, simping detective and dread teamed up? 
What if Dirty Frank and Simpton and Jack Point teamed up? And lo and mm-hmm. behold, they gave it to us. I want to sit down and just read Trifactor again because I haven't read it since it was published. Yeah, but I, I remember it being an absolutely fantastic. Oh, it was good. It was it was an absolute joy ride from because I was one of those people who was going, oh, you know, free free Dread World strips in the prog. Uh, that's what we have the magazine for. Yeah, and of course we had just gotten the Return of Lenny Zero like a few months ago, uh, pro- a few months mm-hmm. before. So there was already like they'd already done that sort of like ex judge kind of not. Yeah, Dreadworld strip. Yeah. Oh no, we got two more. And and why is Sipping Detective not in the magazine where it belongs? <laughs> why is Sipping Detective and Low Life having the exact same story at yeah. the exact same two, time? Two Wally Squad Wally Squad strips. Wonderful. And then it became actually wonderful. Yeah. I remember that moment where I just flicked the page from Dread kicking down the door at the end of his strip and kicking it down into. <laughs> The very next page, yeah, in something detective, and I was like, "Ooh, what the hell?" Um, as I understand it, the collected edition is re- is is reprinted the same way it appears in the prog. So it's not like all the dreads are in one section, all the all the low lifes are in another. It's it's actually no, it, it, it's printed as it was printed right. in two thousand eight in sequence, yeah, in sequence, yeah. Which is weird because in collected edition, I don't think any other collected edition has that sort of jumping around anthology style. No, because it wouldn't make any sense anywhere else. Which is why it was a fantastic story. Oh yeah, it was good. It was good because they made it work. That's <laughs> something that really, really shouldn't have did work. Um, and of course, Carl Critchlow jumped in at the end to do. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, from solicitation info. There was a, a teaser that the final issue of the year was going to be a, a unique, like, all issue dread story. I think mm. I think we there was there was a, there was indication that there was going to be a a, a, a thirty two page Judge Dread story, which was already kind of a interesting thing because you'd not had an entire issue dedicated to one strip before. No, no at least not in a while. At least not in a long time. Actually, you're right. I think there was a slain issue that was also... It was the last installment of the Horned God, I think. Uh, I could be mistaken, but I think it was. That's right. I I think there was an entire issue for Sinister Dexter as well. There might... Oh, I forgot about that one too. You're right. So yeah, it has has been a long time. But no one realized it was going to be a big crossover event. No. No. And the fact that it had four fantastic artists on it, which all... I think that's what I really liked about Carl Critchlow. He managed to blend Henry Flint, Simon Colby, and Disraeli all at the same time um, into one style. Yeah, it was his style still. If you know what I'm saying. Yo, yo, I'm getting it. Yeah, I understand. Because you got to remember, there was guys with shark heads and like all these other simps. Yes. And there, there was a lot of things going on that he had to juggle. From like three, three, and like all these telepath ninjas, raptors. Yeah, he had a lot going on in terms of yeah. things he had to draw. I've got to reread it myself. It's been a while. Oh, it has been. I got. I actually, I actually got it in a in a in a digital trade sale like two years ago, and I've not reread it. It was. Um... It's, it was a one-of-a-kind thing, because I don't think they could ever do it again. Yeah, because you'd be looking for it now. It'd be like, like suddenly there's a Dread Stordium Dog crossover. You might you might anticipate it now. Yeah. 
Oh, and as if the last one wasn't more of an indication why it shouldn't happen. What? Judgment Day. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. So, 2000 AD in general has been pretty solid the last month. Been definitely fire on most cylinders. Um, honestly, there's only one strip that's kind of boring. The rest have all been great. Yeah. Probably the weakest is yeah, Storm Warning and uh, Outlier, probably the, the weakest, and those are all perfectly readable. They're not offensive. They're not. Bad. They're just kind of there. I wonder what we got to look forward to uh, now that Absalom's over. I wonder what the replacement strip's supposed to be. Actually, I could probably just look it up. We are getting... I know. Uh, I can tell you there's a Future Shock in the issue you haven't read. Oh, so it's read. just filling it with a Future Shock right now? It's a very good one, though. Oh, good. Well, that's always good. It, it, it is John Higgins, who was a major Dread artist back in the day. Oh. Um, I think he did a bit for Call of Duty as well, um, but um, he's not been around for a while. It's a very good uh, visual story, but um, it's a future shock at the end of the day. Gotcha. I don't know what the ne- I don't know what the next ongoing strip is to replace it. Hmm. Guess we'll find out in a week or two. Yeah, so- I've got to wonder if there'll be a jump on prog at some point soon because everything seems to be heading to a conclusion. Got to um, Yeah, I mean we are at it's August, and we are at prog. What number are we on? Uh, 1942, yeah, in probably 1950 will be a, a, a jumping on prog that'll take us to the end of the year. Yeah. yeah. That's usually how it ends up. I mean, they already did a jumping on prog back in, uh, what was it, 1924, which was back in April, which is kind of mm-hmm. early for one, but yeah. Yeah, we'll probably get another one. Probably be the return of Brass Sun, definitely. My guess, Kingdom, Kingdom could return then too. That'd be a good choice. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be good times ahead. Good times. So, um, anything else you've been reading this last month? Just, just in general. Uh, well, we mentioned Zenith earlier, right? I've, I've only just got around to reading the first phase. I only read the first phase at this point. It's been out. It's been like three or four months, but uh, I picked that one up when it came out. Uh, I did enjoy it a lot. It was very interesting. Yeah, it was. What I liked was it was a self-contained story, more or less. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it was a humble beginnings, but it still had like a sprawling potential for uh, future. Which obviously, what happened in phase three. Um, uh, spoiler alert: massive crossover event. Interesting. Um, but but not in a conventional sense. It just brings in loads of um, IPC hero characters right. who've basically been forgotten. We've already mentioned Steel Claw, uh, Robot Archie, Spider, they're all in it. Right. Um, don't know exactly what happens in it, though, other than that happens. So that's something to look forward to. Um, I, um, I do recall one of my first opinions of reading, reading Phase 1 uh, for the first time was Zenith wasn't as much of an asshole as I was led to believe he was. He almost seemed helpful. He's just kind of a um, typical 80s punk kid, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's a bit of a self-serving nihilist, but he's he's not... He's not a, he's not an arsehole, yeah, particularly. 
yeah, because once once the, this little story starts coming together and they start assembling like the the team, such as it were, he seems yeah. to kind of get into you know getting the job done. You know, I think as far I as think St. John was. I think Peter St. John, the the Tory, the Conservative MP, was far more of an arsehole simply because he's a Tory. Right. Um, but um, that may have been that was a little lost on me because of the whole. Uh, UK, oh, UK, the 80s UK political scene is a little... Oh, it's not even just the 80s. Nobody likes the Tories. Oh, I see. E- even though they're in power now, yeah. nobody likes the Tories. But um, that's... Uh, obviously, the whole 80s politics thing should be lost on me. It's probably going to be lost on a lot of new readers. But um, I should imagine it's a little bit kind of like, well, I don't know what's going on there to an American audience. But... Um, just it's 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 interesting how Grant Morrison took this was Grant Morrison's first like interdimensional disaster thing, which has now become like his his trade, what with multiversity and whatnot, which right. I've still not read. I need to read that, but um, this was like the first rung of a superhero career for him. I see. Because he went on to Animal Man and uh, Swamp Thing. No, that's, Swamp a, that's, Thing. A, that's Alan Moore. Oh yeah, uh, Batman, Superman. I need to read his current run on Batman Incorporated because apparently it's really good. That's what I heard. But um, um, I need to. Re- I haven't read as much Grant Morrison as I would have liked, but um, Zenith's a really good start for him. Were you at all? Like, um, because this is like Britain's answer to Marvel and DC. Right. But Marvel and DC were obviously going way back in the 40s and 50s. So they, they'd they gone through different phases. Zenith just came and stayed in the, the 80s. It was a product of the 80s. It hasn't changed since. Right. Um, does it feel dated at all? Dated a little bit, but not for the reasons of, like, its subject matter. Um I've talked to some people about this, and and what it is is this type of story I've read before because people have imitated it since. And so as like the prototypical, prototype version of the angsty angsty rock star superhero, which really hadn't been done yet, it just kind of – it isn't as like extreme as it would get in stuff like uh, today – like just for example, The Wicked and the Divine – which oh, is an image series that's running right now. That's about which is about godlike beings that live like rock stars, mm-hmm. and so in a lot of ways, this kind of set that tone without quite being as I guess um, oh, what's the word looking for nihilistic about it. I guess it's just not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that nihilism is probably a product of the the eighties British aesthetic because it was a very grim time for people just working in any industry this was was this post watchman or pre-watchman post watchman was post this was grant morrison's answer to watchman i see so um it's interesting how does because i think have you read multiversity i've read two issues of it and it got too, too expensive to continue oh was it okay one of these days i'm going to catch up on it but uh, right now, I've only read the this first issue. 
the second and the third. I stopped. The, I wound up stopping with the one that the the cover looked like a tabloid because that, okay. that one didn't seem as interesting, and I didn't really want to continue until I read it, read the rest. So I kind right. of stopped, even though Thunderworld looked really good, and of course the the Watchmen one looked really good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm behind. I got to catch up on it. I'm going to end up trade uh, trade uh, trade waiting that one. Yeah. But um. I'm, I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for a Comixology sale. It'll go on sale one of these days. Yeah. Because, of course, that was the one with Dino Cop, wasn't it? Dino, so. I, Dino Cop. That was a turn-up for the books. Did not expect that from hap- did, did not expect that to happen. Just, yeah. Um, just aware of the time. Um, yeah, we are running long. We're still running long. Now imagine if we had to cram an entire weekly Shonen Jump in here somewhere. Oh god! Yeah, we'd be here all day. Um, yeah, just, just do you want to quickly talk about fables then? Uh, yeah, I just really quickly wanted to say um, a, a long-running series I've been following for like the past ten years has concluded this month, and that is Fables with issue one hundred and fifty. Uh, I started reading Fables back in two thousand two-ish. I started reading on the second arc. Uh, I wound up getting the first arc in trade because I had missed it, um, and it's you. You've never read fables. No, no I'm not familiar. I'm, I'm familiar with some of the other media material. I've played um, Wolf Among Us when that was on Steam. Right. Um, I've, I know there's a couple of episodes that have been updated since. It's one of those like episodic games that just gets updated once you bought it. Right. Um, really enjoyable, but I didn't get a real sense of what the world was about right. or any of the characters or anything like that. But um, it, it, it's. How many trades are there? Oh, well, that's the funny thing about Fables 150 is that it doubles as the final trade paperback because it's like 160 pages long. I should imagine if it's wrapping up a book that's lasted over 100 issues, it is going to be pretty big. But um, here, I'm going to grab something. I'm going to look it up real quick. Of course, I just clicked the wrong button. Um, yeah, it came out, came out two weeks ago right now. Uh, it's, uh, Fables Volume 22, Farewell. Okay. So, the final issue, 150, is Volume 22. And in the digital version runs 100 and... It says it runs 130 pages, but most of those pages, quote-unquote, are double-page spreads, so the actual print version is going to be a lot bigger. Oh, okay. Is that is how I think that is wound winds up. But yeah, it's been it's got twenty two volumes now. So there's a, quite a lot of it. And like I said, it goes all the way back to like uh two thousand one. Yeah. It's, it's quite a long running series. But um, I think it's it's after Vertigo, um obviously lost a lot of like, things like Hellblazer and stuff like that. It became the, um, longest the flagship title. Yeah, in many yeah. respects, it, it must be, because, yeah, the long, all the long-running series ended. Hellblazer and Lucifer both ended. Transmetropolitan ended. Thanks, DC. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but the thing about Fables is, the whole premise of Fables is that all the fable t- fairy tale worlds that we've read about in, in stories and such were conquered by some nefarious foe, and all the refugees all wound up here in our mundane world. And they created this place called Fable Town as a way to protect themselves uh, from the adversary, as they call him. 
uh, okay. as well as protect our world from their magical influence. Uh, so, yeah. So, the thing about Fables is that at this point, it's almost a real-time series where basically things have been going on continually for over a decade in, in story. Um, and so a lot's changed. Uh, characters have been characters have gotten married. They've had children. It's where 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 we end is like a third gener second generation from where we started. Okay. Um, and, and what's interesting about Fables is that it's a legacy comic. It's a, in many ways, it's a legacy comic. And in fact, the final issue, final volume, a lot of it is about legacy and legacy you leave behind. Um. What else was there to say about it? It's just that every arc kind of is its own. It's not so much its own thing. It's not like standalone. It's it's definitely an ongoing epic narrative. Yeah. Um. But like each story has like its own tone. Like some will be war stories. Some will be more whimsical. Some will be like super spies. Some will be like, uh, like the first arc is like a detective noir story. Like who done it? And the second story is like a revolutionary animal farm type 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 subversive story. Then you get your romance, and then you get your yeah. You, it's just it's just they even had a superhero arc, for God's sakes. <laughs> and this horror, and yeah, it just it's just it was a series that could it could do anything, and in the end, it did everything. And I think. A lot of people said that after issue 75, it was all downhill, because 75 was when things kind of concluded the original story arc. I thought it, while it did not necessarily get better, I thought it really kept to its, as good as it ever was. Okay. I, th I thought it stood up pretty well. Other people's mileage may vary, but overall, it was a great series, and I will miss it being on my pull list, because it was a, a, it was a major staple that, no matter how broke I was, I always read Fables. So it was always up with... Um, Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon 2000 I, AD. I, well, I've dropped 2000 AD before. Oh, I dear. wouldn't drop Fables. I dropped 2000 AD before I dropped Fables. But then again, I'm buying four issues of 2000 AD a month, so financially it makes more sense. That is true, yes. Um... I'll of course, that was back when I was buying them in print, and they were five dollars and twenty-five cents a pop. It <laughs> got expensive quick. Go digital, everyone. That's my advice. If you're in America, go digital. So anyway, if I yeah, recommend one comic this month, is Jack Staff. If I recommend two Fables. Yeah, as I said, I'll, I'll get round to Jack Staff when I get the next uh, Savage Dragon trade because I just finished the second volume the other day, and um, that's that's some fun comics. Which comic? Uh, Savage Dragon. Oh, okay. You you, you mean so, archi uh, archives two? Oh yeah. So, oh. so I'm up to issue fifty now. Issue the one where um, yeah yeah Dragon got um, disintegrated, shattered into a million pieces. Yeah, that's a moment. Thanks, Abner Cadaver. Yeah, Abner Cadaver, he's a great villain. Uh, that's his. I, I enjoyed the second volume more than the first one. Yeah, I thought the first one was a bit rough around the edges, but by the time it got to the end, it was like it foundationed itself. Yeah, the second volume was a lot more engaging, just in the ongoing storylines. A lot more characters established, their relationships all. The, oh, talking about characters, um, the Wild Star 
guest appearance. Yes. Wildstar is, from what I can gather from Comic Vine, wasn't very successful in his own series. He was not. It didn't last very long. It's like there's literally enough to collect in one volume. Right. Um, but I, I haven't looked into the future of what what issues he'll appear in. I want to keep it a surprise. Right. But was because I'm now like reading monthly. Oh. Was was the kid in the suit Malcolm? Yes. That it was Malcolm. That, no, that was, it was that, only that like is, a handful that, of people it could be. That was one of the longest dangling plot threads for years. I think that's really cool, though, that Eric Larson would use a guest character. And then even though, say, the writer or something was no longer writing him, was writing Wildstar or whatever, would say, hey, yeah. do you mind if I still use Wildstar for that, like, ten years later? You, you will see Wildstar again several times. He's like Madman, does he? Just, just just keep popping up. He sort of keeps popping up, yeah. Okay. Madman's another one I need to get round to. Yes, me too. Madman's one that I always keep putting off. It's just There's a lot of Madman to get through. And spin-offs. Yeah. That's what I keep... That was my problem with the first one, and indeed it was a few things with the second one, is that a lot of things happened in things like Freak Force. Right. And they, they, those early they, years, there were a lot of spinoffs. Free, well, I say a lot. There was two main ones, Super Patriot and Freak Force. They see, Super Patriot, I think, had a few early issues, DNT, but then it was mainly like Robert Kirkman miniseries, which are actually quite easy to get a hold of. Right. There, there are four Super Patriot miniseries. Two of them were done by Dave Johnson... And two of them were done by uh, Robert Kirkman and yeah. Corey Walker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those first two Super Patriots take place in these early t- early part of the part you're reading, and the, and the later two take place in the the later the later era. Yeah, um, and they've only ever reprinted the second Super Patriot Liberty and Justice. The first one's never been reprinted. Apparently, it's a problem with the uh, the color files are so old that they can't be reused in modern technology. I see. So it'd be expensive to recolor them all. Yeah. Which is a major reason why they have not released uh, uh, the library editions of like the early to the, uh, the early Savage Dragon because the color, they all have to be recolored. It's a bit, hmm. it, it's when your comic runs for 20 years, the computer yeah. technology just changes so much. You, you don't even realize. Oh, it's been crazy. Yeah. What what what's not going to be relevant anymore? You use some 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 program that you think is going to be around forever, but it gets replaced by Photoshop. Yeah. And then they are, so the big one now is Manga Studio. Right. Everyone's using that. But um, yeah, I've really enjoyed the second volume. Uh, funny thing is, I grew attachments to certain characters that I probably shouldn't do. Uh, um. Powerhouse. Well, powerhouse. You'll see powerhouse. You'll see powerhouse a lot. Well, not a okay. lot. He'll he he'll be around. He's a. I want to say he's a semi-major character in the next twenty issues. Okay. I want to say he he'll be he'll be around. He's a he's a cool character. I, ne- I never took to Rapture, even though she was a main character. Yeah. So I wasn't too bothered when she got off by um, uh, Damien Dartlord. Yeah, don't name your kid Damien if it looks like that. <laughs> That's gonna. And it's you, not gonna end well. You wanna know what's hilarious about Damien Darklord? He's also based off a spinoff. Well, not so much a spinoff, so much as a crossover. He's half human and half Mars Attacks alien. Oh, that was that. I didn't mention that. I, I was look, look, just looking at the back, looking at the back. I was going, 
Okay, so you got Max, you got Spawn. I didn't recognize Wildstar at that point. Right. Uh, you got Hellboy. The Hellboy crossover was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think there was a few of us. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just remember flipping the pages, just like Mars attacks, and I was like, "Hang on, what?" <laughs> yeah, there, what? Was a, there was a crossover between Image superheroes and Mars attacks, between Image comics and Topps comics when Topps comics existed, uh, and Topps did. Mars Attacks, Savage Dragon, and Image did Savage Dragon uh, cross Mars Attacks. I, I don't know. Well, this was obviously when Youngblood got killed off, yes. much to my joy. Yes. Yes, thank you, thank you, you killed Youngblood off, thank you. But see, that's that, that's one of those hilarious things where Eric will take a crossover, where somebody else would just do a throwaway crossover event, and it, he, he rolls it into an ign- integral part of a character that is still relevant today yeah it's just it's just it's, funny that way it's, it's like the the, the the sources and stuff being used by the SOS um, it, it, it did last it's like the shrink where oh that was fantastic the shrink where shrink the uh, shrink ray being used on all like the the red shirt villains yeah and they're all just running off and hordes just sat on his throne unfortunately like, oh. that becomes a bit of a running gag as a kind of a, a, a how do you solve this problem get the shrink ray <laughs> oh so it stuck around you'll you'll see the shrink ray a few more times <laughs> but no really enjoying it so well, far. Glad, I'm glad you're enjoying it I think Eric Larson enjoyed his, uh, enjoy, uploaded, uploaded his um, Facebook page the other day saying that he's got up to volume eight, which will be like issue two hundred. Yeah. All saved on files, ready for printing. That's good. So they're definitely happening. Volume four, I think, is going to be out any day soon. So I'll wait wait till that's out. And I'll get uh, archives free and Jack Staff volume one together for that. Yeah. And um, I think, I'll just I, think get I think you're gonna I think you're gonna enjoy the next one, and I think you're gonna be surprised by how it how it shakes out. Because this is the whole Dark Lord saga, is it? This is... Yeah. The majority of this next one is going to focus on Dark Lord as a villain. Yes, I believe so. Okay. Because we're a while off Savage Worlds and um, all that yet. Yeah, not yet. No. No, it's, it's funny because also reading that issue 205, it's, just like it's got Thunderhead. Was that his name in but, it? Yeah, yeah. He keeps bringing up all these characters who ha- who are like long-running characters. I assume they are anyway, who haven't actually turned up yet. Right. And I guess this is part of the thing of like reading a series from the beginning and also reading it in as front, new in issues front, come out. Present, yeah. yeah. Which I guess is kind of thing. Thunderhead's uh, actually fairly new. He's only been introduced in the last two or three years. Okay. Yeah. He, he, he his dad, who you should have already met as Skullface. Oh no way! Yeah, that—that's his thing. Is his dad was Skullface? Oh, he was dead. Oh, he's dead. Oh, he will be. He's—he's not. Wait. Oh yeah. (laughs) He was. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's not really a spoiler. It's um, it's an alternate reality thing. Okay. You'll you'll get to it. Okay. Yeah, I believe he is dead by the point you are in the in the archives. Yeah, because you're not wrong. Frank dropped a bus on him. You're right. I forgot about that. That's a that's a great Frank moment. Where are you? Uh, yeah, enjoying it. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoy it because uh, 
I, 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 do th- I do feel like, as I said, some of those early things could be fleshed out a little bit with Freak Force, but, um, you know, what can you do? If they can't be reprinted because they're going to get damaged, you know, one of those things. It's not, Freak Force shouldn't be too hard to get a hold of, and it's not a bad series to read. No. It should be pretty cheap if you got a few bucks. Although I don't know how available it would be in Britain. I don't know if how, if it got wide release or not. Is it on Comixology? No, unfortunately. I'm trying no. to coax Eric in that direction, but it's not taken yet. No. All right. This is turning into the Savage Fincast, so... Uh, oh, sorry. That's okay. It's not your fault. Um, it's always fun to talk with someone, a new fan about these sort of things, because you don't get very often to talk with someone new about it. Usually it's a bunch of old guys. We've all read it for 20 years. I really enjoyed that last one where Eric was on. You did with him. Oh, yeah? So you're listening to the FinCast? I listened to the last episode. Oh, uh, I'll probably listen to a couple of the back ones. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to listen to other podcasts at the minute. Yeah. But, um, no, as I said, really enjoyable. Enjoying it. Cool. All right. So I think that wraps us up for another episode of Weekly Comics Monthly. Uh, yeah. Um, Wraps everything up at my end, and it is now pissing it down. Raining? That wasn't happening five minutes ago. Uh Oh. Welcome to England, when it can be sunny one moment and torrential downpour the next. Nice. So yeah, if you've got any questions, suggestions, or just want to tell us how handsome we are, you can email us at weeklycomicsmonthly at gmail.com. And of course, we were on our website at wcm.guttertrash.net. Uh, and we hope to you come back for another episode. Mm. Remember, in two weeks, yes, come, come back and listen to more episodes, you shall. <laughs> in two weeks from now, we'll have our weekly Shonen Jump uh, review show. And we hope you have you on for that. So it's good night for me. And good night for me. Signing good night. off. <laughs>